As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Let me begin with a couple questions. What's New York City known for? The Big Apple? Well, it's known for the Statue of Liberty. It's known for Central Park, Broadway. And as they say, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. What about L.A.? Well, the City of Angels, it's known for Rodeo Drive, Venice Beach, Hollywood, as it is the entertainment capital of the world. How about a little closer to home? What's Chicago known for? Well, the Windy City is known for its politics, that's for sure. The bean, deep dish pizza, and Gangsters. Yep, I said it. That's what we're known for, unfortunately. What about Naperville? Well, we're known for the Riverwalk, North Central College, and Money Magazine ranks it in their top 50 places to live. Last year, we clicked in at number 16. What about Wheaton? What are they known for? Well, Money Magazine ranked them too, but it was back in 2018, and they ranked them number 27, but they left them off this year. Also, what are we known for here in Wheaton? Well, the infamous Wheaton College, Go Thunder, come on, give me a shout, and the childhood home of John and Jim Belushi. Things you find out in church. Well, I said all that to simply say, what is the gospel known for? Did you hear me? What exactly is the gospel known for? Go ahead and open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1. We're continuing our series, Guilt-Free Christianity. We've been talking about nine steps to freedom in Christ. Last week, we covered step number one, recognizing the simplicity of the gospel. And this week, we're covering step number two, understand the significance of the gospel. And what I want to do is simply this. I want to give you four distinctives of the gospel. These are the unique things. This is what the gospel is known for. These are the essentials, if you will. And then your location pastor, they're going to come up. They're going to complete today's teaching. They're going to finish it off. They're going to, I'm going to get us to third. They're going to round us home and challenge you to apply it to your daily life. So let's get started. I want to read from verse 11 in Galatians chapter 1. Paul writes, for I'd have you known, brothers, that the gospel was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently, and I tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond Many of my own age, among my people, so extremely jealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he, who set me apart before I was born, and who called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Cephas and remained with him for 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it. 
said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy and they glorified God because of me. Father, I thank you for your word. As I hold it in my hands, as we open it up, may you open up our hearts to the gospel. May you lead us and guide us. May your Holy Spirit fall, I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're a note taker, go ahead and write down the first distinctive. This is the elite thing. This is the special thing. These are things that are distinct about the gospel. First thing is this, the genesis of the gospel, the origination of the gospel. Again, Paul says, it's from God, not man. That's what he said, if you recall, last week back in verse one, and he's saying it again, he's starting it out, and he's saying it again in verse 11. It's not man's gospel. And what does he say? He didn't receive it from any religious leader or the religious establishment. He received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. He got it from him directly. I mean, that's an amazing thing. It's an amazing truth. Where is it in the scriptures? Well, Paul's story is found in Acts. And if you've got your Bible with you, go ahead and turn. Keep your finger in Galatians chapter 1. Turn with me to Acts chapter 22. And here, again, Paul tells his testimony, but he does it three times in the book of Acts. And so I want to just jump into one of my favorite accounts in Acts 22. He says in verse 3, this is Paul. He says, I'm a Jew born in Tarsus. And he says he was brought up in this city and he was educated by, I mean, he was educated according to the strict manner of the law, being jealous, jealous to this day, zealous for God. And he says in verse four, I persecuted the way. That's what the Christians were referred to. That's the first thing they were called is the way. And he said he persecuted them to death, binding and delivering to prison, both men and women. And then this is where we get to. Look at verse seven and verse, oh, excuse me, let's start in verse six. He says, I was on the way. I drew near to Damascus and about noon, a great light from the heavens suddenly shone around me and I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, that was his name before Paul. He says, why are you persecuting me? And isn't it interesting that Jesus says to him, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's revealing that when you hurt the church, you hurt Jesus. That's the truth. That's what we see here. And then notice the two questions. They're in verse 8 and verse 10. Go ahead and circle them in your Bibles. Underline them. The first question is this. He says, who are you, Lord? And then the second question is, he says, what shall I do? Listen, these are the two most important questions that, that all of us are going to answer that we need to answer for ourselves. And if we answer like Paul, who is, who are you, Lord? Well, he's the long anticipated deliverer of Israel. He's the one that came, the Messiah, the one that they were waiting for. What shall I do? I do your will your way. That, that's what Paul desired to do, is he wanted to do the will of God. And so this is his personal testimony. He's coming to Christ. He wants to do God's will, God's way. And then something unique happens. When you want to do that, when, when God wants you to do that, he does. When we decide to do that, no other religion could claim this. Jesus, listen to me. Jesus comes and lives in you and you live in him. Jesus comes in you and you in him. What do I mean by that? Well, the term in Christ 
or in him. It occurs over 170 times in the New Testament. Paul uses it a bunch of times. This refers to our position in Christ, that we've been redeemed. We've been bought back and brought back. We've been forgiven because of his work on the cross. It's like we talked about last week. We don't add anything to the gospel. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And that's what Paul is talking about when he says in Christ. We are in him and that cannot be changed once we come to him. But when it says Christ is in us, he's referring to his presence in us. And Paul, he says this eight times in the New Testament. And the interesting thing is two of the times are found right here in Galatians. If you're not there yet, flip back to Galatians chapter two. Paul says it in verse 20. He says in chapter two, verse 20, he says, for though, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. There's the first one. If you flip the page, I need to do it in my Bible to Galatians chapter four. Look with me at verse 19. And he says, Christ is formed in you. It's an unbelievable picture. Now John describes it. He uses a picture of abiding in Christ. He uses this word over and over. And so to abide means to make your home in. That's what we wanna do in Christ. And as we make our home in him, he makes his home in us, Jesus. He says that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. And just like a branch can't survive or bear fruit without being attached to the vine, we can't survive or bear fruit without being attached to Jesus. We're just like sticks. Oh, I don't want you to be a stick. We need to be attached to the vine. J.C. Ryle, one of my favorite theologians, he's an old school guy and he says it like this. To abide in Christ means to keep up a habit of constant close communion with him, to be always leaning on him, pouring out our hearts to him and using him as our fountain of life and strength, as our chief companion and best friend. To have his words abiding in us is to keep his sayings and precepts continually before our memories and minds and to make them the guide of our actions and the rule of our daily conduct and behavior. Second distinctive of the gospel. I wanna talk about its objective. The objective of the gospel, it frees anyone from anything. Hey, did you hear me in Wheaton? Did you hear me in Naperville? It frees anyone from anything. Did you hear me at all of our locations? Listen, it frees us. Now, notice in verse 13, we're back in Galatians. Paul talks about the former life. I wanna get back to chapter one. And that's what he talks about. We'll put it up on the screen. He says his former life, how he persecuted the church and violently tried to destroy it. But then that's what he was freed from. That's what Jesus freed him of. And he pointed him in a new direction and it changed the trajectory of his life as we read in Acts chapter 22. But then look what it says in verse 14. We get some theology here. It says, but God said, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was revealed, revealed to his son to me, in order that I might preach the gospel among the Gentiles. See, when we accept Christ and we first become Christians, Paul's teaching us here that we think we chose him. Now follow the bouncing ball, please. Because that's what it feels like on this side before we're Christians, that it's all about our choice. But then 
as we grow and we mature and we're not on this side anymore, but we're actually on this side looking back. Do you hear what I'm saying? We realize that Christ chose us. He chose us. It was true for Paul. It was true for the disciples. These are two parallel truths that are taught in the Bible that meet in the mind of God. It's true for you that, that God's the one. And the objective of the gospel is that he selected you and he wants you and he chose you out of the sea of humanity just as he chose Paul. Now, some might be thinking, well, what if he didn't choose me? Slow down for a moment. If that's coming to your mind, please recognize this truth. If you're thinking that, I'm telling you with absolute certainty, he did. He chose you. If that's coming to your mind, if you're contemplating that, if you're thinking about that, if you're, that's the Holy Spirit of God. It's time for you to continue to respond. And then when we do, what can the gospel free us from? Because that's where Paul goes next. And he freed him from what he did to the church that he persecuted Christians. But what can the gospel free you and I from? Well, go ahead and do this. Write this verse down. Acts chapter 13, verses 38 and 39. And I love what Paul says here. He says, let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, he's talking about Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Question, where would you be without the forgiveness of sin? I tell you, lost in bondage, that that's why he says that, and by him, Jesus, say Jesus, please, Jesus, everyone who believes is freed from everything. Did you catch that? I mean, he frees us from everything. There is nothing beyond him that he can't break the chain of. He breaks chains. That's what God is in the business of doing. He does it through his son, Jesus, for his people, you and me. And I know he's broken some chains here. If you believe that to be true, give a shout out to the Lord. Give a praise to him right now. What kind of chains? Hey, I'm so glad you asked. Let me give you some chains. Five chains that the gospel breaks and frees us from. We'll go through this quickly. First one is chains of pride. Anyone out there been freed from the chain of pride? Well, Jesus says, in Luke 14, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So if you haven't yet, you will hit the low point. He wants to break the chains of pride. He wants to break the chains of selfishness. And Jesus says again, we're gonna to go to just Jesus's words for this little section. And calling the crowd to him, Jesus, with his disciples, he said to them, hey, if anyone come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Chains of self-righteousness. This is what Paul was fighting. This is what Paul was going after. This is why this whole passage we're looking at today, this passage is a defense. Paul's giving his personal testimony. Paul's telling them about himself because there was false teachers who were proclaiming a false gospel that was Jesus plus. And what they were doing is Paul was defending the true gospel. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And, and they were against him. He was defending the gospel and then he had to defend himself. That's why he said he got this from Jesus. That's why he said Jesus is the one that commissioned him. God had set forth to commission him to reach the Gentiles, people who were non-Jews, people like me, people like you. And that's exactly what he did. And so the chain of self-righteousness is what Paul was up against. And Jesus said in Luke chapter five, he answered them, those who are well have no need for a physician 
but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And then the fourth chain. Is this helpful? Give me a shout out if it is. Chains of addictions. Chains of strongholds. And Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, hey, if you abide in my word, you are truly my, my disciples. So abiding is, again, it's what John was talking about. It's the Jesus in me. It's the you in him. It's the fact that abiding means to make your home in him and he makes his home in you. I've always defined it as continuous daily living that we need to rely upon him. If you abide in my word, you continuously depend on me, continuous dependent living, then you will know the truth. And guess what? The truth will set you free. Two more chains, chains of the former life. And Jesus answered, truly, truly, he said this to the religious leader who was struggling with self-righteousness. He said, unless one is born again, he says he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so he wants to break the chains of our former life, just like he did for Paul. And then lastly, he wants to break the chains of sin and shame and suffering. Triple S, man. Sin, shame, suffering. Gone. And Isaiah says this about Jesus hundreds of years before he showed up. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. What Jesus went through on the cross is what enables us to be set free. What Jesus went through on the cross, the pain, the agony, the suffering, the death, that broke the chains of bondage for us as the same power that raised Jesus from the grave is able to raise you and I to new life. So let me ask you this, as we look at these chains, which are the ones that, that the change, which, which of these chains has God freed you from? Did you hear me? Freed you. Because I know he's broken some chains here. Come on, I know he has. Give me a hand raised. But which of the chains is the gospel freeing you from? Because the truth of the matter is we still struggle. And the presence of sin is still with us. Even though the power is broken and the penalty is gone, its presence is here. So what is the gospel freeing you from? And then which of the chains does to this gospel, does it need to free you from? Maybe it's something that isn't on your radar yet, but you know it needs to be. I mean, Jesus breaks chains. He's in the business of giving us a new life, a fresh start. Two more distinctives. Let me give you the third one. The essence of the gospel. So this is the essence. This is what the gospel is all about. This is what God desires for you and for me. I love what Paul says in another part of the scriptures. He says his desire is to present us complete in Christ. And he does that with the power that labors in him. That's often been one of my favorite verses for the whole of our church from the beginning of this ministry, that my job is to present you complete in Christ. Our team, let's give it up for the team here at High Point, from the children's team to our uh, pastors to all of our leaders here, man. Give it up for them that, that what we want to present you complete. But then how does it happen? Well, Paul says by the power within us. So we can't, but God can. He's the one that can do it. And so that's what we see here. The essence of the gospel is that it's going to mature us 
And the estimate of the gospel is that, let's go back to the main point, please, is that it's going to mature the followers. Are you a follower? That's what God wants to do. And, and it's going to expand the kingdom. And so let's go now to the text. This is awesome. Let me show it to you real quick. We won't jump all the way in here. There's a lot here. But if, even if you just look at your Bibles, and I would just underline in verse 17 what I highlighted three years. And then it talks about how Paul went to these places and everything else. And so for three years, we don't know a lot about that time. But we do know it was like a spiritual boot camp. It was, it was all about preparing him for what God had wanted, what God had had prepared beforehand the works for him to walk in. Did it work, this spiritual boot camp? Well, yeah, if you look down in your Bibles at verse 23, it says, he who once used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. So catch this first, two things. First, he was gone for three years. Isn't that an interesting number? That's how long it took for God to prepare him before he went out and did his public ministry. Well, why? Well, isn't it interesting that that's the exact number of years that the disciples went through to train so that they would be able to do what God wanted? Second thing, well, the second thing is that Paul was the one persecuting the church. We've already proven that in the scriptures. If you've been at church for any length of time, maybe you grew up in church and you know he's the one that stoned Stephen. He, he's the one. And, but it says he who tried, he, he tried to destroy us is now preaching the gospel. Hey, let me say it like this. It doesn't matter what's in your past. Your past may be an obstacle to you. Your past may be an obstacle to another person. Your past can be an obstacle to a family member. It is never to God. It could even be an obstacle to a church leader, but it is not to God. God breaks the chains. He wants to mature us. He wants to grow us. Where would you be? I'll ask it again without the forgiveness of Christ. And the forgiveness wipes the slate clean so that we can have a new life, so that we can walk in the purpose that he has for us. And we, we've been entrusted with the gospel, amen? We, who've been entrusted with the gospel, are expanding the kingdom of God. That's what we're doing. That's the calling that each of us has. That's what Paul was doing to the Gentiles. That's what we do within your circle of influence, that you are expanding the kingdom of God. Well, I got to tell you, I'm so thankful to be involved in this church and how we are expanding the kingdom of God here at High Point. Let me share this. A few months ago, I met Pastor Kiwan Choi and he pastored a denomination, denominational church down the street from where I'm standing here in Naperville. It was right down... Um, Deal Road on the other side of 59. And I got to be honest, I wasn't even aware of it. And just like our building faces I-88 or just as the north side of Deal, his was too. And he came to us. And he, he came to us because he took a biblical stance on some issues that were dividing his denomination and his congregation. These are, these are things that we would agree with, that, that the Bible teaches and I got to tell you, Kiwan, as I've gotten to know him, he's such an awesome guy, an articulate follower of Christ who loves the Lord and loves God's word. And he's an example of us of taking a stand for what he believes to be as truth. And isn't that what we're all being called to do? I mean, that's what we see and that's what's happening. We're talking about the true gospel. It's not about adding anything to it. But as we mature in Christ, that how we are to live is described in the Bible as the Bible says that it presents everything we need for 
godliness. And so that's what he did. And so Pastor Kiwan not only lost his job and his church for teaching the Bible, he lost the building that he had. He lost his home. He was living in a parsonage. But then this is where you come in. All of us at all of our locations because of your generosity to our limitless initiative. Did you hear me? Limitless initiative, your generosity. We're able to respond to the opportunity that God put in front of us. If we weren't, didn't, if, if it wasn't because of your generosity and your faithfulness, we wouldn't be able to respond to this, but we're able to come alongside him and his people. I call them the remnant to establish a new work. And so last week here in Naperville, we started our newest congregation, High Point Korean. Is that awesome? High Point Korean. Come on, man, let's give it up. Give it up to the Lord for him providing this opportunity for you stepping forward and continuing in your generosity. We didn't see this coming. God did. They began meeting during our 11 a.m. service last week. I mean, again, it's the remnant that's meeting and, and their children are plugging into our children's church, similar to what we do with High Point Espanol. And Pastor Kiwan, I mean, this guy is so... I just can't, I can't wait for you to meet him. He's taken them through Galatians just as we are, focusing on the truth and the true gospel and guilt-free Christianity and what we're about. So I'm just gonna ask you to pray for him. I'm gonna ask you to pray for his family and the remnant as they're building a new congregation right here in High Point because of your generosity. Hey, let's celebrate what God is doing as we are a true multi-generational church and a true multi-ethnic church worshiping in four languages, English, Russian, Spanish, and Korean. Give it up to the Lord right now, please. Awesome. Last distinctive. Hey, the distinctive that I want to end on is before your location pastor comes up, it's the impact of the gospel. And the impact of the gospel, I love this picture. It glorifies God anytime and anywhere. And so, if you'll notice at the end of verse 24 in your Bibles, just underline the word glorified. It says that they glorified God because of me. That's Paul's words. Who's the they? That's what we need to remember. And we've covered it already, but for the abundance of clarity, these are the people in the churches who are afraid of Paul. These are the people in the churches who... I'm telling you, they looked at this guy. They looked at this person. They didn't think he could change. They were afraid of him. They looked at what he had done in the past and they thought that's what he would do in the present. So they were afraid, but, but they didn't allow that to, to reshape them. What they did is they believed in the redemptive power of the gospel that it not only could change Paul's life or anyone's life, but it also changed their attitude towards him. Did you hear me? Stop for a moment, slow down. They believed in the power of the gospel. And so who's that person that you think can't change? The gospel can change anyone from anything. It can, and it glorifies God when we believe that to be true. And so I want us at all of our congregations, all of our locations, that we would be as accepting as Paul, as this church was with Paul, that we would do what? That we would accept them and that we would learn from them and that we would grow together. We want to be the kind of church that embraces people for who they can be in Christ and not who they are apart from Christ. We want to be the kind of church, come on, give me an amen if you believe it, where we, we want to be a kind of church that it's about people becoming 
what they're becoming in Christ, not who they were before they met Christ. And that, that truly glorifies God. One theologian, I'll end with this. He says of the glory of God, our highest and privileged calling is to do the will of God in the power of God for the glory of God. Those are the four distinctives. These are the distinctives of the gospel. That's step number two. We got nine steps to go. Please follow along with us for this whole series. That's step number two, understanding the significance of the gospel. So last question from me. How do you know you're doing it? Well, keep your Bibles open, buckle up, hold on to your hats. That's what your location pastor, Pastor Craig, Pastor Dave, Pastor AJ, Pastor Kelby, and Pastor Matt, they're gonna come up right now to challenge you about that. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the distinctives of the gospel. I pray that they would take greater root in my heart. I pray that we would take greater root in our hearts so that we could be used of you, so that we could glorify you. If you agree with that prayer, simply say, amen.